0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Except for Harvey Weinstein. I'm not going to talk about Harvey Weinstein. Same store sales slowdown at Domino's Pizza. That's kind of interesting. Domino's Pizza. Go look at a chart of Domino's Pizza before you laugh. Take a simple DPZ and take a look at a 10-year chart of it. Take a look at a 15-year chart of it. It's dominant. It is, if not the best player in the S&P 500 during that time. If you take away maybe a biotech company that cured cancer or something like that. Domino's was was just an amazing runner. Back uh, in 2009, 2008, it was a $4 stock, and now it's $198. Its all time high is right around this area. It's not that far off, uh, 221, so it's about 20 bucks off, but that's not much. But the question is will their slowing sales hit the company? And why did the company have such an amazing run? Um, they sell something for five times the cost is the answer is why they had the amazing run. But slowing growth, you know, as I've gotten older, I look at the the dough. I'm like, Ooh, that's not good for me. I look at the cheese. I go, Ooh, that's not good for me. Look at the meat on top of it. I go, Ooh, that's not good for me. I look at the vegetables. I'm like, I'm not a fricking rabbit. (laughs) No way. Domino's pizza has been in the news with funny things like, Oh, they're going to deliver pizza with a drone. And despite third quarter results that topped analyst expectations, slowing sales growth is rising, uh, rising like dough. It's a concern, you know, that their toward expansion may start to wane when you expand your number of stores and you expand the number of countries in. You're you're a rock and roll star. Dominus is still posting the same store sales that most in the industry would salivate over. Um, And I would say. If anyone says Domino's Pizza or Papa John's Pizza is their favorite pizza on the planet, they probably need to go to a school to, like, reprogram their brains. Um, But that's just me. And again, not the opinions of my bosses, because my bosses are awesome people who would never say a negative word about people, especially people that like Domino's Pizza. Wait, wait, Domino's is the sponsor of the show? I love Domino's Pizza. Um, so the ser- the shares surged. The shares surged. I like the way you say that. I know. Thank you, my friend. Can you scratch my back? <laughs> that's the best you could do. Oh, that's embarrassing.
2: Behave yourself.
1: So strong numbers um, are baked into the pie. The thesis is played out, so says a lot of people. So if that's the case, then sometimes what you're looking for is a pullback in the stock. Maybe that's your entry point. I own no shares of Domino's Pizza. Um, Listen to this. Flooded homes, big money, tough choices. Um, A lot of homes. I should be careful how I say this. The investment opportunity of a lifetime. Home selling for as little as 40 cents on the dollar. There's signs out there now all over Houston that says, We pay cash for flooded homes. Don't fix it. Sell it. Quick close. Now, if you're 75 years old and you own a ranch-style home that you've lived in with your spouse for your whole life and you know, you're know you both starting to get disabled from age and disease, you may want to go, Ooh, That's a pretty good deal. It should be criminal to advertise that you'll buy someone's home for 40 cents on the dollar. Uh, because there's a lot of people that don't understand what that means, but there's a lot of vultures, and you know, good golly, I'm not making a threat, but if I had a gun, I'd shoot some, me some vultures if they're sitting on my fence. Um, and it's just kind of crazy because you know the billions of dollars in hurricane ravaged property in Texas and Florida, some people are deciding now maybe the time you know to whip out their checkbooks and invest. Investors such. Figure that you can buy low, fix it up, and in a year or two, sell it for you know what the market value is currently, which will be higher. So you could probably double your money if you're buying for forty cents on the dollar, and if you don't even get back to whole, you could still double your money. Those kind of bets often pay off when you snap up areas that you know are near bankruptcy or decimated by hurricanes or tornadoes or earthquakes. So, a lot of small-time investors, you know, they'll buy waterlogged houses. Um, Wall Street will swoop in. They'll buy hundreds of waterlogged houses. Private equity firms will pit, jump in, pension funds. It's a way of making money. Bain Capital and billionaire Mark Biniaf, co-founder of Salesforce.com. He's uh, backing Beasley's two-year-old company, Roofstock. Roofstock runs a website where investors can buy and sell single-family rental properties. Uh, owner-occupants may be interested in selling there, too. Flooded neighborhoods are the next big thing. So there are some opportunities uh, for people to take advantage of you panicking. During hurricanes, Irma and Harvey wind and water damaged almost you a know, total of 1.8 million homes. A lot of uninsured flood losses, $257 billion at least. So need to be careful out there. Need to be careful out there. So... Uh, someone might be willing to come in and double their money on your back. So as you're pretty, so be wise. Be very, very cautious is my advice on things that sound too good to be true. Target's joining some other retailers and offering voice shopping. And I'm like, really? Are we that lazy? Is this our solutions in the world? Target's jumping into voice-activated shopping as it deepens its relationship with Google, offering thousands of items found in the store except for perishable items like fruit and milk. The move is happening, as Google says, shopping will be available later this year through Google Assistant on iPhones and Android phones, joining its Google Home device, Android TV. Uh, So whether you're talking to your speaker or your TV, you're going to be able to talk. I want toilet paper. And Target's going to be able to deliver you toilet paper. Um, Target's joining Walmart Home Depot, doing this whole Google Voice shopping Amazon, uh, if you have an Alexa and you've signed up for Alexa, you'll probably get an email that says $20 off your first voice-activated purchase. Now, again, Echo voice assistants have been around since 2014, so they've got a bit of a head start on this. Google Home made its debut earlier in the year, so Target's expanding its nationwide Google Express program that offers fast delivery from a test uh, in markets of California and New York. Shoppers are able to get deliveries within two days since the items will be shipped to a nearby Target store for free provided the purchases meet that $35 minimum. So you've got to buy a lot of toilet paper. So more devices are in hand and within earshot now. So we don't know the sales figures yet of any of these. Uh, we know that you know Amazon has sold 10 million plus Alexa-powered Echo devices since late 2014, so we know they're starting to get some penetration. But Amazon, Google Express, you know, uh, will they have that membership issues? What will the details be? Who will be the winner? Do you want to shop with voice or not? I don't see a reason yet, but trust me. I'm one of those people who is like, die phone will never work. No one wants a flat phone. No one. We want rotary phones. Big seminar coming up in Los Gatos, November 16th. Sign up at Rob Black Show. Use the code radio 25 to get in for free. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. It's tough for me to go out here and say this, but I hope you'll agree with me on some level. Steve Mnuchin is out there today. He's the Trevor, Treasury Secretary. He's talking to CNBC, saying the removal of tax deduction for state and local taxes remains an important part of the administration's reform plan. Donald Trump's backing off the eliminating some salt deductions on grounds that would penalize middle class earners. Mnuchin is countering and saying the administration won't budge on the proposed cut in the corporate tax rate down to 20%. So, Wall Street's hanging on to that on some levels, although I think realistically, they're starting to know that there's not a lot of uh, common ground being met here so far. But Mnuchin said something, you know, we can't, the federal government can't keep subsidizing states. And I hope you kind of agree with me that there's a pretty good chance that our tax system is just, you know, as used, FUBAR. And that's messed up beyond all recognition, right? Um. And that there's too many loopholes, and that you know we're getting away with, you know states are getting away with, and federal governments are getting away with, and individuals are getting away with just too many things that benefit too many people, and too complex of a system. So at one point in time, you know, you look at someone like a Phil Mickelson, and you're like, man, it'd be great to play golf for a living. And then when he comes out, and he goes, it sucks playing golf for a living because it takes all my money. And he's an independent contractor, so he has to pay for his own flights. He has to pay for a lot of that stuff. Now, he's lucky because he's got advertisers throwing money left over, you know, left over. He's lefty. Um, Throwing money at him, right? But when you start looking at his high-tax bracket, the state high-tax bracket, the federal income high-tax bracket, the sales tax high-tax bracket, You know, any sort of deductions that, you know, normal people would get, sometimes he doesn't get. Now, again, he's able to buy homes. He's able to buy golf courses. He's able to buy a lot of stuff. But when he factored out his taxes to be around 68%, so he's only making 32 cents on the dollar, you're like, whoa, Um, he would be wise to register in a different state as a home. Because then instead of making 38 or 32, he could make 40 or 45. Um, or maybe as much as 50, because some states don't have it. Like, there are some just creepy, not creepy, no, no, no. There's some stuff that it feels just wrong. Like, up in Washington and Oregon, one state doesn't have property, one state doesn't have income tax, and one state doesn't have sales tax. So you can live in one state and shop in another if you live close to the border. That's not how it's supposed to work, but that's how it does work. So I hope you do see the complexities of the problem. And, you know, every now and then there's someone like a Steve Forbes who comes along and says, we should do a flat tax where it doesn't quite, you know, pencil out. But what we're doing right now is in pen and it doesn't quite work. So City and Costco are in bed together. Costco kicked Amex out of bed. I know you're saying that's a graphic way of describing it. A little zuby zuby zoo, right? So Costco kicks out zoobie, American zoobie. Express and they say, hey, Citibank bring on a Visa co-branded card for our members and the card is doing so well both parties are in love they're making goo goo eyes at each other new users are growing steadily has added roughly 1.8 million new accounts 2.4 million new cards the new cards are tied towards cardholders who get two cards one for the man and one for the woman or one for the woman and one for the woman or one for the woman and one for the man however you want to play that game Costco reported that spending on the cards up year-over-year, not just because of new account acquisitions, but also organically, so people are shopping more. The performance of Costco's products is a testament of why bigger is better for credit cards. When Amex owned the Costco co-branded portfolio, it was strong, posting $80 billion in build businesses in its last full year, but it's doing even better and seems to be growing it even quicker under Citigroup, so says Costco and Citigroup. So cashback offerings go as high as 4% for standard purchases, which is higher than those under Amex. There's more perks. There's more promotions. Um, So it's a pretty big card. It's note that when you offer a high-value reward card, it comes at a price. So Chase Sapphire's reward card ended up reducing their bank's profits by about $300 million in one quarter when it was introduced. So, as costs continue to rise, issuers are going to have to adjust to the new landscape by leveraging technology and partnerships to keep consumers engaged without sacrificing profits. For instance, my Chase Sapphire card, when I go to spend all my points, it's great that Chase Sapphire goes out of their way to say, hey, you can donate those. Or they also go out of their way to say, hey, don't forget, if you book on our travel line, our .com travel site, you get 50% more usage. Or if you want to go to a concert and see the Lumineers with 98 other hipsters, you and a sugar booger can come and spend points. And you're like, it's just points. It's money. Do you know digital points are money? And sometimes you have to pay taxes on said points. So that's worthy of note. Chase takes the top spot for the first time in over 20 years. The first time in 23 years. JPMorgan Chase is the largest U.S. bank by deposits. It is a head of Bank of America, which held the distinction for 20 years. Chase, which uh, already is the largest bank by assets, saw its customers add $96 billion to their accounts over the last year. That's a lot of money. Banks are offering some of the highest card rewards ever to seeing, uh, see those increase in spend and adoption of card products. Digital channels are also playing a bigger part. Three of the U.S. largest banks have been consistently adding millions of users to their mobile banking apps. I love mobile banking apps. I love them, I love them, I love them, I love them. So being able to reach consumers and channels of their choosing increases transactions.
0: I love it, I love it, I love it.
1: <laughs> That's one of my favorite sound effects or sound bites. I don't know why. Uh, it's almost as if aliens have kidnapped me and planted that in my head, Is that's kind of awesome.
2: Which is a very good thing, which is a very, very good thing.
1: So again, taking a look at the markets, uh, I think the big story right now is stocks are sliding in early trading. Major banks, JP Morgan and Citigroup, failed to fuel optimism that has driven indices to record highs, which we hit yesterday. AT&T down 3.2% after they said third-quarter results took a hit from the string of hurricanes. Um, Disney a little bit lower, as there's worries about them competing with Netflix as far as cost of production goes for content. Money speaks. Energy stocks are lower, as inventories rose despite efforts by OPEC to cut production. General Motors lower. They plan to cut production at a Detroit plant and lay off about 1,500 workers. Um, there's enough cars out there right now. Now's a good time to negotiate cars. Jay and Jill uh, nearly halved, uh, hit a record low of $4.96. It's a women's fashion retailer. They slashed their third quarter outlook. Um, I don't know a lot about women's fashion, but uh, you see a lot of failures. Very finicky as far as... Not finicky. It's making me... I don't want to make it sound like I'm bashing women, but apparel is a very tough category to win. Teen apparel is the toughest Uh, To win over the long term, very, very tough. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. Okay, you need to help me out on this one, ladies and gents, or whatever you are. I take a look at a lot of financial stories. I try to like twist them. Like Southwest Airlines going to Hawaii, that's not a personal story. Like, woohoo, I can go to Hawaii. That's a business. You can go and invest in Southwest Airlines ticker symbol love. Um, You know, the airline industry is a lot like you know a flying bus, and Southwest admits it's a lot like a flying bus, and they treat you a lot like it's a flying bus, but they don't hide behind that and they kind of embrace it. Um, But it's a fun flying bus, or it's as fun as it can be, so to speak, for for the mass appeal. Here's this, and again, publicly traded, adding new routes means adding new revenue. And you can beat on the top-line revenue, Wall Street loves it, or you can beat on the bottom-line earnings, Wall Street loves it. Not always, of course, but you get the idea. And I'm not saying go out and buy Southwest,
2: Rob said he likes Southwest because of Hawaii.
1: So here's one that I need help with, and maybe my producer can help me out with a little music behind me. Pink. Pink is in the news today. Um, the singer, she's 38 years old. She donated $500,000 to hurricane victims. I'm like, how does she make five? How does she have that kind of discre-? She's got $110 million. Holy mackerel. I did not see that one coming. When you're talking that kind of money, you're up there... The Stones, Tom Petty, Justin Timberlake, Britney, Beyonce, you know, you're a legend. That's a big amount of money. Now, again, I'm not comparing her wealth to The Stones, uh, but that's a big amount of money. Pink's going to make her third appearance on Saturday Night Live as the show's musical guest this weekend. Two decades of stardom under her belt, earning countless accolades and millions of dollars from hit albums and sold-off tours. Um, she's got something that is a good business lesson to teach your children. It's a good business lesson to teach yourself. There's a guy who lives close to me who works for Oracle. Fairly annoying, but he's got staying power. He's been fairly annoying for a while. And there's something to be said about that. When I say fairly annoying, you know those salespeople who are always like, hey, it's all about me. Hey, hey, hey it's Christmas. Let me tell you about me. Hey, 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 it's Hanukkah. Let me tell you about me. That's it. So it's been 17 years since Pink released her first album, Can't Take Me Home. She's worth $110 million. And if you look back at some of the uh, pictures of her, you're like, whoa, Uh, she's done well. She's done quite well, to say the least. Whoa, even Donald's impressed whoa she sold 16 million albums she's minted four number one hits she's had 11 songs in the top 10 and for the life of me i probably wouldn't be able to figure out uh, what my producer just told me i probably wouldn't be able to figure out what a number one song is of hers Uh, um and i'm a little embarrassed by that oh yes yes let's get this party started In 2013, she was the highest-earning touring female artist. She netted more than $20 million for 114 concert dates. 111 of them uh, were sold out. I guess I'm starting to get it. Uh, She's had some fun spending her money. See, this is the question that I have for you. And Drop me an email at And If you're a female, uh, tell me if I'm wrong. If you're a male, tell me where I should invest because I feel like I'm getting it wrong. She spent ten thousand dollars buying a Marilyn Monroe painting, eight thousand dollars on a Harley Davidson motorcycle, which is fine. Uh, Nineteen fifty nine Chevy Impala convertible was worth ninety nine thousand dollars. She bought. She rents a home, beachfront, for seven. Am I right? Seventy thousand dollars a month, and you're like, that doesn't even make sense. She has a mansion in Malibu for twelve million dollars, uh, that she bought with her husband at the time, Corey Hart. Um, In 2016, they sold it for, maybe they're still there, I don't know, for about $12.5 million. So not exactly a big winner. Um, So, oh, they have a second child, so it looks like they're still together. They've been renting a $70,000 a month beachfront home in Malibu. What can you get for $70,000 a month? And it's kind of cute because you'll see photos of her and her two daughters. um, And she's like fried eggs or something like that. But it's in a house that's worth $70,000. If you have a house seven thousand dollars a month, pay someone to, to make said eggs for you. A um, lot of motorcycles. A lot of motorcycles. So, but donating $500,000 straight Cross, I guess I kind of get it. But you know, the business lesson that I get out of this one is staying power. All those number one hits, all the tours, all the years. Uh, she goes out of her way to say, I don't live in the Hollywood bubble. Never have, never will. Wasn't invited to that party. Um, she said she'd be dressed inappropriately if she was, but she's done okay for herself. $70,000 a month for her. Why would anyone do that? I've got a lovely, I've got plenty of property, but I don't have $70,000 a month of rent. Um, I just don't get that. I personally would go for a $15,000 a month rental and donate the rest to charity. And feel better about myself on some level. I know you're saying you f- use charity to feel better about yourself. I do, I do, because that's me. Amazon's going to hire 120,000 workers for the U.S. Uh, in the U.S. for the holiday season. That's one area that, if I was struggling to get by, um, I would certainly pick up a, an extra job doing something like that. Um, a weekend job, uh, whether it be a pizza delivery, which I've done in the past uh, when I started my business out right of college. So nights and weekends—that's what I do. So um, I'd listen to you know business radio, Bloomberg radio. Um, I'd listen to books on tape, things that you know I could educate myself while I was doing it. Chase and United Airlines introduced a new card. Uh, not too long ago. I wasn't all that excited by it. I like credit cards. Um, I use credit cards. I've got credit card points uh, to pay for the ultimate honeymoon, to pay for the ultimate vacation, to pay for the ultimate end-of-life experience. Um, I I don't max out my cards. Let me correct that. I use my cards solely. I don't use debit cards. Debit cards are kind of a fool's... You almost have to be stupid to use a debit card. And when I say stupid, like financially stupid, no one likes to be called stupid. Oh, I've learned that before in my life once or twice don't call someone stupid they do not like it
2: is as stupid, as your stupid
1: people do not like being called stupid but if you're whipping out a debit card to pay for lunch if you're whipping out a debit card to pay for clothes you're pretty stupid hey if anyone ever hacks that account they can run away with all your money and there's no issue the bank has to cover uh, but with credit cards credit card fraud you're protected um, you have to maybe pay fifty dollars a hundred dollars even then not likely. Um, but you also get rewards if you use your credit cards correctly. I basically use two two cards. Not, not, not totally true. I, I basically use two cards for 95% of everything. One of them is for 2% for everything other than flights and um, restaurants. That goes on my travel card, my Chase Sapphire travel card. And the other one goes on my um, double cash back so, if I go to buy a pair of sneakers, they double cash back um, by Citigroup. And if I go to buy an airplane ticket, uh, Chase Sapphire. So, 3%, 2%. Um, anything on Amazon, I use the Amazon card, 5% back. Uh, sometimes Amazon sends me an email and says, you know, for the next 90 days, it's 10%. So, it's 10% off. Um, I don't find myself in Target often, but I've got a Target card uh, that gives 5% off. Um, Costco has got a pretty generous card, but I don't find myself in Costco, um, enough to warrant that, uh, although Costco has got some pretty good deals on tires and travel and funerals. So maybe I should get a Costco card before I die, but the who's going to use my points. So reward structures are pretty important to me. Um, but I saw that chase and United airlines had a new card and you know what? I hate United airlines so much. I will fly I will spend double to fly any other airline other than them. I know you're saying, you have a lot of hate for them. Isn't that funny? It's, it's one of the reasons it's tough to invest in airlines, because we do have these resentments. It's almost impossible to invest in uh, restaurants. You know why so many restaurants fail? Because as Americans, we have this issue that we feel like restaurants are kind of a luxury, right? it's kind of bourgeois to go out and have someone cook food and bring food and drink to us and like might as well chew it up and spit it in our mouth for us. But once you get bad service, you're like, I want to talk to the manager. And then you get like hair in your food the second time. You're like, and then the third time, like there's a, you know, 90 minute wait or they they seem to seat every other table that you're like, I'm never coming here again. And a lot of times you don't. Um, Sometimes that's one of those business models that you have to be very careful on, companies that don't get customer service correctly. So Amazon, back in the day, where if you ordered something wrong, they'd send you out a slip immediately, and you could send it right back. That's good customer service in a lot of ways. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. Uh, Taking a look at the markets, again, we hit record highs on S&P, the Dow, and the NASDAQ yesterday. It's pretty good times. The challenge I want to put out in front of you, again, is go to your 401k, take a look at it, make sure you're comfortable with your allocations, but it should be pretty close to a record high, unless you're doing something fitfully wrong. And then you should go, oh, I'm not good at picking stocks in my 401k. Maybe I shouldn't be picking stocks. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's Rob Black Show. Got a big event coming up in Los Gatos, November 16th. Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning Seminar. You can sign up at robblackshow.com. Take a break here. I'll be right back. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. CFP Chad Burton and New Focus Financial, who I'm affiliated with. Um, has kind of something cool. It's called The Vault, and it's where you can keep a lot of like, your electronic files, and you can scan your files and put them in. You can keep copies. Um, and it's important because I think about like my own home that I live in. and When the wildfires in Northern California are raging around, uh, fires that have killed 23 people at least, that number is going to go higher and destroyed 3,500 homes, I go, I would lose a lot of my home. And I don't even think I would, but I would. And I've digitized a lot. I haven't digitized everything. I put a lot in the cloud. I haven't put everything in the cloud. So I think it's really important to start thinking about some of the areas that you live in, you know, whether it be flooding, whether it be drought, whether it be fires, whether it be hailstorms or snowstorms, hurricanes or typhoons, Um it's been, you know, a tough year, 2017, as far as climate disasters go. And your preparedness, safeguarding original documents, creating digital copies that could be accessed from anywhere. Key documents, you know, gather that you should gather now. Um, things like wills and birth certificates and social security cards and passports. Things that you'll need to recover, like insurance policies, uh, property deeds. Um, having everything in one place makes it easy to grab documents quickly in an evacuation. So fireproof, waterproof safe is it's the start, but you know what? A lot of fireproof safes fail. When you get temperatures blazing in your home, burning everything down, the fireproof safe may protect against fire, but not against heat, um, and it melts. Or the documents inside melt. So creating digital copies to store in the cloud ensures everyone a winner winner chicken dinner. Um You should have, you know, LastPass lets users create shared family accounts so that everyone can get into your documents. Um, Be extremely careful and cautious, but, you know, key documents, your wills, your birth certificates, your social security cards, your passports, they should all be conveniently located in some sort of container so you can grab and run. Uh, if need be. And they should all have a version of them online. Speaking of CFP, Chad Burton, let's bring him on to chit-chat a little bit with us about socially
2: correctness when it comes to investing. Chad? Now there's social responsible investing, SRI. That has been the most common type that we've seen out there. That's where you're investing in companies that contribute to humanity. Research for health and innovative treatments so people live longer, healthier lives. Investing in companies that are really focused on reducing carbon emissions or ending hunger, for example. Um, it, it, Social responsibility, it's it's the idea that businesses should balance profit making activities with activities that benefit society. All right. That piece crosses over a little bit into ESG investing, environmental, social, and governance investing. That's a new one. There's even ESG ETFs out there, companies like Oppenheimer have. And where this is a little bit different, you can look at the MSCI KLD 400 Social Index, previously known as the Domine 400 Social Index. It's a market cap-weighted stock index of 400 publicly traded companies that have met certain standards of social and environmental excellence. They would have, stocks that are in this would have positive records on issues such as employee and human relations, product safety, environmental safety, and corporate governance. So, it's less about the the individual stocks and the sin stock idea, but it's more about companies that have positive records and scores in several different issues. Like I said, employee and human relations, product safety, environmental safety, and corporate governance it's a little bit more objective i guess you could say especially in the corporate government governance portion so companies engaged in the business of alcohol tobacco and firearms and gambling nuclear power and military weapons are automatically excluded so you get the sin stocks you get some of the anti-environmental stocks already out of it and then you score even further for- in the esg investing to how a company does with these different areas that i mentioned for example Let's look at Walmart. And this is where it can create these this kind of a push and pull. Because you look at Walmart and you go, okay, that's a great stock returns for the year so far. Walmart just hit over 85. Who would have thought? Who would have thought with battling against Amazon, Walmart would have hit over 85? Now, on one hand, Walmart does a great job on getting cheap goods to lower income people across the country and around the world. Let's face it, it's basically Amazon and Walmart are responsible for the lowest inflation rates that we've seen in the last many, many, many years. So, that's helped a lot of families. A lot of families benefit because they can shop and buy things really, really cheap at Walmart. But would Walmart be in an ESG fund? According to an article in Business Insider, not a chance. They have a 3 out of 100 overall score for ESG. So, on governance, 23 out of 100. 92 out of 100 on environmental score, so they do good there, but one out of 100 on a social score. Walmart has a low score due to investigations into bribery, numerous workplace safety violations in the past two years, failure to endorse international labor policies, and use of sweatshops in the past three years. Now, this is from a Business Insider article. This is not this is you know their opinion. So don't. I'm not saying that Walmart is actually currently dealing with these issues, but at one point they had a low score because of these issues. Um. You know, they weren't raising minimum wage in the past, and I believe they are now, so maybe they'll start scoring better and maybe they'll end up in this. If you're trying to make sure that when you're investing your dollars, that they're doing they're going to invest in the companies. You want to own a piece of a company. Remember, anytime you invest in a mutual fund or an ETF, you own a small piece of a bunch of different companies. And if it's important to you that every dollar that you're investing in a company is going towards either doing good or not doing bad, you need to get an idea, a better idea, of whether or not you want to do faith-based investing, socially responsible investing, or go even further down the line to this ESG, this newer style, environmental, social, and government criteria